Welcome to the Eye on Annapolis Local Business Spotlight. There are thousands of locally owned businesses in the area, some small and some large. Some you may know and others you don't. But one thing they all have in common is a great story, and we want to share it with you. Join us every Saturday as we talk to the founders, the owners, and the managers of local businesses you have come to know and love, and those you will come to know and love. Now here's your host, John Frenet, with this week's Local Business Spotlight. Well, we are up here in Severn in a place that I didn't realize exists because I think you guys were just that little building on Spa Road, but we are with Jonathan Rondo, who is the president and CEO of the ARC Central Chesapeake region at their headquarters, which, uh, as I said, I didn't know, but thank you very much for inviting me up here to have a talk a little bit about what the ARC does here. Yeah, thank you for coming. So when, when did this building get here? So uh, this, our Severn headquarters, um, was officially uh, completed in midpoint or end of 2018-2019. For 25 years prior to the at the Arc Central Chesapeake region was on Spa Road. Um, and we still have a regional office and community hub there. So um, the people we support uh, in that part of the county still utilize that location. Um, but here in Severn, we have administrative office space. Our behavioral health services sits here as well as professional development for our direct support professionals and other staff. Um, and, and there's a, a newly opened community hub for people we support and families who may need resources uh, if they have children with disabilities. What is the ARC and what does the ARC do? Yeah, so the ARC was, uh, the ARC Central Chesapeake region was created 60 years ago where a group of parents in Anne Arundel County wanted uh, more opportunity for their kids. So um, in the late 50s, early 60s, there still wasn't access to education opportunities for people with disabilities. There was no law yet that required free and appropriate education. Pediatricians were still telling if you had a child with a disability that um, by the time they were, if not when they were a baby, but by the time they were five, that they should send them into an institution. It's hard to believe that that still was occurring. And so parents said, we don't want that. And so they created the ARC. Um, and so we are one of 600 ARCs across the country uh, that provide uh, supports and services for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we do that in Anne Arundel County and on the counties on the Eastern Shore. Okay, so this this is a really old organization then. I mean, it's uh, the ARC as, a, as an entity yes. has been around forever. What is your background what drive what drives you here besides like the Buick in the parking lot? <laughs> <laughs> so I think a lot of people get into the field of supporting people with disabilities uh, sort of by accident, and I think that was my pathway as well. When I was 15, um, I was looking for a summer job. I'd always gone to camp as a kid, loved camp, um, and thought that the camp I grew up in would hire me when I was 15, but they didn't. Uh, there was too many people applying for one or two positions. And so I was looking for a summer job and found a camp that supports people with disabilities um, and said, I can do anything for eight weeks, right? And I love camp anyway, so it can't be that bad. And in my first two weeks, it was a transformational experience. I worked with two adults with disabilities who had never been to camp before. And so there I am at 15 working with these one gentleman in his 40s, one in his 60s who had never experienced swimming before or horseback riding or um, just making choices on their own. And for someone, I think refl I've reflected a lot about this as an adult, but at the moment, I don't know that I could have described sort of what that transformational experience that I felt of 
Why doesn't everyone have this opportunity? Why did they have to wait until they're 60 or till they're 40? And so uh, I ended up working at that summer camp year round um, all through high school. In college, I worked there full time. And then I, for most of my career, have been supporting uh, either running services or running organizations that support people. You are one lucky dude, man. I mean, to be able to find your, your calling in such a loud voice at age 15 yeah. is impressive. I think and it's, and I mean, you're not that old, but I mean, yeah, no. So I think it's, it's one of those things that, um, it just happened. And I think throughout my life, um, even through adversity, adversity, I think my family sort of instilled this idea that things happen for a reason. You need to take a moment and pause and reflect. And I think that moment to pause and reflect is something that I think we all don't do enough of. And I think I'm very fortunate that that was instilled in such a early age. I have friends now I'm in my four. And who are just pausing to reflect after 40 years of their life. And I think the pandemic's making us, all of us, pause and reflect. Um, and so I think that's been a really interesting piece. But I think also it's really something important that we need to do for the people we support here at the ARC is not make assumptions for them, but allow them to pause and reflect and determine what they want for themselves and to to provide the supports, guidance and information they need to do that. Well, something you said, you mentioned about why doesn't everybody have the chance to swim or horseback ride or whatever. And, you know, as I've been doing these and the more I get involved in my community personally, I find different organizations and programs that are like that. And, and one similar with different, but is uh, CRAB, which is Chesapeake Region Accessible Boating. And it's like, well, why doesn't everybody with a, you know, a physical handicap have the ability to go out and sail and, and you know, experience the Chesapeake Bay? You look at the um, Annapolis Maritime Museum and Park, and they do a great thing with a lot of, uh, you know, the kids that are in public housing. And I see that kids that literally live maybe 10 blocks from the water yeah. have never seen it. Yes. And there's just so much that's available. And I love that our society has changed that. And, and I know that, you know, it's, it's a differing ability. Yeah. It's not a disability, but it's yeah. an alternate ability. And I think that just what we've been able to do, I mean, you know, if you look in the wars, if somebody comes back with, you know, severe injuries from wars in the past, okay, they were relegated to a wheelchair and sitting at home and, you know, getting fat and everything else. Not so more. They're running marathons. Correct. I think, I think, I think disability has become more well known or not seen as it is traumatic, especially if it happens later in life or it's traumatic if ever a parent, if you're, if you um, have a child with a disability. But there are so many success stories that you can sort of understand that. And everyone know, everyone knows someone with a disability. I really challenge people if you don't, uh, to, to do that. And so I think that allows you to sort of understand if that happens to you or a family member that there are real opportunities. It's hard. It's just like hard when anything adverse happens to you. Like you have to find your tribe, your niche. You need to find the resources in the community to do that. And I think that's one of the things I've been here at the ARC for four years is a lot of people don't know what we do and that we're, we've been a resource and we've grown tremendously over those, these last four years. But still today, I still will meet someone and they'll be like, what? I didn't know you guys provided that. And I think that for me is that hurts more than if someone's unhappy with our services, because I'm like, I want you to know what we're doing um, well, and, and, and how, how you can get connected. Cause you may not need it today, or you may not know someone who needs our support today, but you will eventually, you're going to come across somebody that yes. you can say, Hey, 
give Jonathan a call at the Arc Central yeah. Chesapeake region. Well, you know, it begs the question, what services do you guys offer? Uh, you know, I mean, the Arc, I mean, we're not just a geometry kind of, kind of a term here. Right? That, that's right. Um, and so we provide services in two distinct ways. One that the Arc facilitates, so more traditional services where we're supporting people to live, work, and connect with their community. And so in our living options and services, we're supporting people to live in traditional group homes or to live in apartments with their roommate on their own and providing the staffing support to do that. We also support people who may choose to still live at home with their mom and dad. Not everyone's ready to move out once they become an adult. And so uh, providing that drop in support, we help people in Anne Arundel County. We have about 55 people who work in essential jobs and have throughout most of the pandemic and our staff provide them with the employment supports to do that. So making sure that they need job coaching or if they have difficulty navigating a policy that their employer has, our staff provide that support. And then we've relaunched because of the pandemic. We, we stopped it. Our community-based day program where about 100 people every day are in the community for four to six hours uh, doing enrichment activities, whether that's working out at the Y, whether that's taking a pottery class, whether that's doing yoga, whether that's volunteering in their community. And so direct support professionals will pick up a group of one to five people and they'll go out and do those things sort of every day. And then we also provide information referral and some supports for kids and their families. And then on the other side, uh, we provide a program for people who choose to self-direct their services. So if you receive services through the Developmental Disabilities Administration and don't want a provider like the ARC to provide those services, you can then apply to this program through the state, and but then you need to pick a fiscal management agency to you determine how you're going to spend your budget that you get from the state and you can hire your own staff and then we uh the arc through our fiscal management services process your payroll we do your background check we're essentially your hr finance office then we take care of all the billing to the state that sort of thing and and provide that support we support about uh, 1400 people in that service across the state um around that well, you guys, you guys are a nonprofit, correct? We are. Now, are the services that you offer free? So or, the, or they, is there a billing into Medicare or how? So most of the people that we support qualify for services through the Maryland Developmental Disabilities Administration, um, which is a Medicaid program through the, the federal community. Uh, home and community-based waiver services. And so essentially in Maryland, if you have a disability on or before your 22nd birthday, there's an approval process, but generally you would be approved to get supports through the Developmental Disabilities Administration, which means then that money you can then use to um, seek services or get qualified for services to get, whether it's day services, in-home supports, that sort of thing. Sure. Well, because I mean, obviously it is... I'll say funding intensive for the work that you, that you do do. Correct. What I would say though, is none of our children, youth and their family services are really funded. So that's those services, all our information referral, our family fund, our emergency grants program all happens through fundraising. There's no dedicated funding source that supports that. And that that's an area of increased growth that we've seen. When I got here, we served a handful of people in that program. We serve hundreds of people through information referral, emergency access, grants, things like that today. Interesting. Well, how, how large is the organization that you've got here? I mean, I know that you said that you serve primarily Anne Arundel County. 
and and we have and we serve about in long term services about seventy five people on the eastern shore on the mid county and so and if you look at it, people who get services on a regular basis for us, it's about a thousand people, and then it's about three thousand people that get touched through information referral, our fiscal management services program, or some of our other sort of ancillary services. Wow, that's a lot. How, now, how many how many people does it take to run the program? So we have, and I, mean, and I know, and, and obviously you have more than one location. Yeah. So we um, so we have our headquarters in Severn, our regional office and community hub in Annapolis, and then we have a regional office and community hub in Easton, Maryland, as well. Um, we have about four hundred staff and a hundred openings for direct support professionals to do. So even though we have 400 staff, I still have a hundred openings um, in trying to hire. And a lot of that comes from increased growth, but also the pandemic has been really challenging. Um, prior to the pandemic, we could hire about 30 new direct support professionals a month. We're averaging less than 20 a month uh, right now. And as we take new people into services, we need to hire more people who want to support people with disabilities in the community. Right. And and obviously this is something that you've, you know, speaking on a pandemic level, this is something that you've got to be fairly close with yes. to do. I mean, this is not something that's easily managed you yeah, know, so from, we, from we, and, six feet apart. And anticipating that the federal government will have uh, the, and the OSHA will come out with a guidance that employers of more than 100 people will have to require the vaccine or um, testing we have um, for all new hires mandated uh, the COVID-19 vaccine. Well, you're look, looking for an awful lot of people. I mean, what type of What's what's the ideal candidate? What's the type of person that you're looking for? So the, there isn't anyone can be a direct support professional. And that's that's the beauty of it. I think you have to have it's more about your motivation. You have to have a desire to want to work with someone. Um, and that can be we serve all types of people. We serve people who want to be in the community all the time and just need some support to do that to people who may need more physical assistance. So, so because they may use a wheelchair or that sort of thing. And then everyone in between. So you just have to have a desire to do that have a maryland driver's license be over 18 and then we do an interview process and a and a background check and then we provide a ton of intensive training when you're hired to teach you how to do this job and we do some job shadowing that sort of thing and so i would say over 60 percent of our new hire direct support professionals may have met someone with a disability they may have been a caregiver in a different way but they may not have been done this work before and that's okay and we will support you and train you how to do that well to a degree with any business it's kind of kind of nice when they come in green and fresh with a clean slate that you can you can train them in the arc way if you see there there's pluses to to both but yeah i think that we want to make sure that people thinking that you have to have a degree or experience is is not a barrier to employment here i imagine that working here and working with your your clients customers your members depending on how how do you we just refer them to the people or people we serve that are served you know but i imagine working with these folks has got to be one of the most rewarding uh things and obviously it it has been for you because it's it's guided your career for the last you know couple decades yeah i think it i think there's a couple things one it always feels good to make a difference no matter what your sort of career calling is. But I think for me, and I think for a lot of our staff, it's about seeing how the support we provide or the change that through our small efforts, when you look at it one person at a time, 
makes a big impact in the community. When you uh, see someone, when my first year here um, here at the ARC, um, I was meeting all the people we support. And there was one um, person we supported who was very upset that she, she loved her roommates, but she had met uh, a, a person at her day program that she, uh, she didn't want to marry, necessarily marry him, but they wanted to live together. Um, and she was like, but that's not possible. So I need to move out of the ARC. And I said, why isn't that possible? We had a conversation. We, in a, in the next, next eight months had a house that we were renovating um, to be more accessible and her and her significant other moved into that house together. Now they were very clear. We don't want to share a room and we we're fine. Like, that's okay. But that wasn't off the table either because relationships and who you connect with is really important in your life. And just because you have a disability and you need a lot of support doesn't mean that the person that's most important to you in your life shouldn't be able to live with you. And so I think that piece and the, and the, her, her staff who still support her to this day, seeing how much she's changed and how your mindset, how she, she's just happier and her significant other is like, that's why we do the work. And, but it's not about the feeling. It's about that we made a difference in that person's life for something that was really not hard. Um, we were going to have that opening and that ability to do that regardless. And so I think it's a lot of times it's just really listening to the people we support. And I see my job and our staff at every level's job is to figure out how we make that happen. Just like we all have that in our own lives. We all have our own cheerleading section that are doing that. That's, um, a, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, that really is amazing that you're able to accommodate that and you took her perception yeah uh preconceived false notion and upended it and we have almost over hundreds of those stories now um some at much smaller scale and some at larger but i think for a long time in a lot of disability organizations that wasn't even the way you thought it was about just providing care in a meaningful way but for me it's and i think for our board and our vision is really about equity and access and what is do you vision for yourself it's not my job to determine that my job is to help you figure help reduce whatever barrier there is to what how you get to that point and i think that cultural switch um, is what has fed our growth, our ability to serve more people, because that's what people are looking for. Um, people with disabilities and their family aren't happy with the status quo of sort of the traditional thing that what a lot of people think of is that when you graduate school, you may or may not get a job. You may or may not live independently. You have to live with your mom and dad until you're in your 50s. The, everyone's path is different. And how do we figure that out? And it's not the case. And I'll tell you, over the years, I mean, you know, when I'm, I'm considerably older than you, but when, you know, growing up, I mean, if if somebody was, and at the time the term was retarded, and thank you to, you know, the Marcelinos and yeah. the Rosa yeah. for getting all those laws passed to, to ban that. But, you know, if you had a, a mental or developmental disability, your card was punched, okay? You're going to be institutionalized or something like that when your parent, you know, maybe if you're lucky, you could live at home if your parents had the wherewithal to support you. Otherwise, you're probably going to become a ward of the state. And it's so reassuring and so good to see that, you know, a disability is not, I mean, there are some hurdles for sure, but it is not something that is, it's not this big giant wall that can't be scaled at all. Absolutely. No, I think that's important. And I think, and I often remind our team here, people I talk to, it's not as complicated as you think. We all have hurdles in our own life. And so if you think about the hurdles that you and your family go through, even if it's not dealing with a disability, they felt unachievable at some time that you were going through that. So what 
what's different over here. And I think as when we as a society, as we're having equity conversations, whether it's racial equity, gender equity, whatever those pieces are, disabilities is an important part of that com that conversation. People with disabilities still are one of the most disenfranchised minority groups in the United States. They have the lowest employment rates. They have the lowest housing rates. They still most people with developmental disabilities that live below the poverty line. Those are real challenges that this particular group has. Um, and not that those other equity conversations aren't equally important, but this needs to also be important, important part of that, that yeah. conversation. I'll tell you, you know, in Annapolis, it's funny. I go out of my way to support Biddy and Bose, mm -hmm. which is, uh, for those that aren't aware, it is a coffee shop. It's now a, I think it's a franchise. Mm -hmm. Now they probably have like a dozen locations all across the country. Uh, started in Wilmington, North Carolina, but parents had two disabled children. And they said, hey, you know, we are able to do this. And they've developed these coffee shops that hire pretty much exclusively those with any kind of, with a, with a disability. Mm -hmm. And it's just putting what you just said, okay, well, you're going to have low employment. You're going to have, you know, mm -hmm. low wages and poverty and everything else. It's sort of upending that. And I mean, I go out of my way to buy my, I don't drink coffee, but hot chocolate there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, you, you tip big. I mean, and it's just, it's a wonderful experience. That's something really small that you could do. Obviously on a larger scale, you could come to work here. I mean, what, what is so, the benefit of working here? So, but I, I, just to piggyback on what you're saying, I think what Benny Bowes and, and other, that's a step in the right direction. When we're really going to talk about equity is when Starbucks on West Street also hires someone with a disability to work there. And that all the other businesses right down there in that downtown district, I'd be willing to bet each one of them that has a help wanted sign, we support someone who could help meet their business need. And so I think, so to answer your question, that's something people can do. They can reach out to us. We can connect you with our workforce development team and get you connected with people who are ready to work, who are a lot of times trained and, and ready to provide those services to those businesses. Because I think it's it, pockets of success, the bitney of those stories or the, the story I talked about that the woman who got to live with her significant other. Those are good examples, but we as a society, and particularly, I don't think the ARC has, and this is one of our strategic questions, how do we scale that work? How do we bring it to a level where anyone who wants an opportunity um, and, and has a disability in Anne Arundel County has that? And I know the county exec talks about that when he talks about uh, a county where there's opportunity for all. And he, when he talks about all, it's really, truly all in every um, aspect of that. That's a good first step. But yeah. The next step is we have to actually do something. I mean, I mean about we it. are a nation built on opportunity, so I yeah. mean, there there really should be no reason. And I know, and I don't know whether his family still owns it, but when Jerry Gimmelstab owned a bunch of the McDonald's franchises, mm -hmm. I know um, he worked very hard to work with. I believe it was with through Providence Center mm -hmm. um, to employ people with disabilities. Yeah, and there's a lot of great employers. Uh, the United States Naval Academy is an example. Um, even throughout the pandemic, we have a number of people who we support that are, are working there as well as other other local businesses um, that are, are doing that. And so I think, yeah, again, there's examples and other people who are learning from those experiences. It's how do we how do we do that more? What what are the perks of? I mean, obviously you've got an emotional perk of working here. Okay, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I think that your your heart comes home full at the end of every day mm -hmm. uh, about the work that you're doing here. And what is the type of work that somebody if if I go downstairs to to apply? I mean, what could I expect? So I think um, uh, if you become a direct support professional here, I think one 
knowing that you're going to have ongoing support to one initially trained, but ongoing support to uh, provide you guidance in that. But I think this is a job that isn't necessarily about the paycheck we have. We continue to work on increasing our, our starting salary, but it's about sort of the ongoing benefits of making sure our culture is one that if something happens with your family, you need to take a day off, you text your manager and you're off. That's our culture. There's no, you don't have to find your own coverage. You're not going to get a guilt trip that you have to take that time off and not very many businesses can say that i think the other is we also make sure that all of our benefits that we provide including our health insurance is affordable regardless of what your starting salary is so so making sure that um, whether it's for you or your whole family that you can afford the health insurance that we provide as well as some of those other pieces but i think the other is we have a lot of flexibility for people. So there's weekend shifts, there's night shifts. You can work part-time, you can work full-time. You can go from full-time, and then if you need to make a switch to part-time, you're able to do that. So I think it's, I think there's usually a little bit of something for everyone. And again, we're direct support professionals are supporting people in employment, in the community, um, if you're working in our day services, um, helping someone live in their home. And so there's a wide array of what you would be doing or what you can do to support people um, that there's usually the right, connection point for you. It does sound like a lot of flexibility. Sounds sounds like a fantastic place to work. Um, thearcccr.org is the website. Does that have all the information that yep. would need? That's our general website. If you go to thearcccr.org slash DSP, that's where you can find out more what it's, what the role of the direct support professional is as our frontline employee, as well as you can apply right there as well. Okay, and, and just for those that are listening, because it is audio, uh, ARC is not the boat. It is the geometric shape, so it's got a C, the A-R-C, and thearcccr.org is the website. Uh, we are speaking with Jonathan Rondo, who is the president and CEO of the ARC Central Chesapeake region. And when I pulled into your parking lot, I happened to notice that there is a big sign saying coming this fall, which is rapidly ending, but the community hub, what's that all about? So here in Severn and Annapolis and in Easton, so all three of our physical office locations, we've created a community hub. And what that is, is twofold. One, it's a place where our family navigator can meet with families who have children or adult children with disabilities and needs access to information services. So sometimes like we have a program called Project Learn um, where we're supporting families to learn more about the IEP process, individual education plan, if you have a child with a developmental disability. So it's a place for that. It's also a place that when the people we support are out in the community during the day, if they need to stop in. So here in Severn, our community hub has a, a fully accessible bathroom that has an adult changing station. So prior to that, in this part of the county, if you were someone who uses, used a wheelchair and needed to be transferred out of that chair to be changed, you'd have to go home in the middle of the day to make that happen. That's not convenient. That's not what you or I do when we're out in the community. Right. Um, so that's what's here at this community. Um, and so it's a place where people can get connected to the computer. They can figure out what they want to do. People in our employment program, if they're working with a job developer to look for jobs, they can apply right on the uh, in the computers in there while, and then go back out if they're going to interviews or to go sort of scout different locations. So they're just a, 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 place, a welcoming place that can be sort of a resource for the community. Yeah, sort of a one-stop resourcing yeah. for, for your community. So you're going to have that here as well as in Annapolis? So the one in Annapolis opened this summer. Um, the one in Easton opened uh, last week and this one is nearly complete. So in next week or so. So still so, within so the fall. So it really is the fall. It is, it's not one of those, yeah, it's not one of those signs that you drive past 
for three years that says coming in 2019 and never is open. Well, I'll, th- I'll throw a dig into the city of Annapolis. That only happens in the city of Annapolis. <laughs> coming in spring of 2020, and it's like 2025, it finally opens up. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Rondo, thank you very much for your time this morning. And, uh, you know, as we leave here, what is one thing that you'd like, the people that are listening to this, what one takeaway do you want to have? I mean, I think your story is amazing that, you know, you were at summer camp and, you know, maybe it was some mosquito that was infected with something rather that bit you, but you've got this passion that has carried on for decades. You seem to be the ideal person to lead this organization and to lead the community because our need is great. I mean, the numbers that you said, you know, you've got about a thousand people that are served on a daily basis. And 3,000 more that are sort of periodically. Yeah. But what's the takeaway that you want people that are listening to this to, to know about the ARC Central Chesapeake region? I think that, that people with intellectual and developmental disabilities have the same desires and need the same access and opportunity as all of us. And each of us, every listener can play a role in that, whether it's uh, getting connected to volunteer, donate, connect people who are looking for jobs to jobs that are working with organizations that support, like the ARC that supports people with disabilities, but just that, that broader understanding that just because you have a disability doesn't mean that you shouldn't have the same access and, and, and opportunity as everyone else starts with you not you but with whoever's listening yeah. here it's uh and it, and it doesn't take much uh, yeah. as we've seen time and time again uh and from back with paul revere i guess it was you know with you start start starting a movement is pretty easy once it, once the ball gets rolling and exactly you guys are doing a, a great job of getting that um here at the arc central chesapeake region and again with jonathan rondo who is the president and ceo or are you ceo and president which is it president and ceo either way it doesn't <laughs> Thank you very much for your time today and, you know, good luck with the expansion of your workforce and gosh, you know, just keep doing this wonderful work that the, that the organization is doing. Well, thank you, John. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to share with your listeners more about what we do. Thanks for listening to this week's local business spotlight. Please make sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinion. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you all the day's local news direct to your phone, tablet, or computer in about 10 minutes. It comes to you at 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday, and you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.